Linda, that was a touchdown. <laughs> Johnny Gresham played football for Georgia Tech. No, no, no. No, no. Today we're going to talk about the power of words, and it was so interesting when, when he introduced you and y'all worked with the kids, how Charlie Duncan and David Beasley and Harry and Jemima were the youth choir. Anybody else feel left out from the youth choir? trouble for what you say. You can get in trouble for what you don't say. That's a perfect example of the power of words. I don't know if you know this, and I always like telling people something they are not aware of, and so I want to clue you in on something you're probably not aware of. This is an election year. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know um, you're probably not aware. I don't watch the debates. I rarely watch the news. Politicians just love to say bad things about each other, and mudslinging is a full-time job. And workcrafters make speeches and innuendo, use innuendo and attacks to belittle and diminish opponents. And I'm not getting political today, I promise, but we're going to talk about the power of words. Are you ready for it to be over already, too? Amen. It's just tiresome. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me? Abraham Lincoln had no clue. They didn't have older brothers. They didn't go to middle school. They didn't ride a school bus. They stayed in isolation. Words hurt. Or they can. But they can heal too. They tear down and they can build up. With words we make friends and we make enemies. 62 years ago yesterday, HB's life changed forever. With two little words, I do. We cause peace, we start wars, we lead others to Christ, but we push them away. There's a story of a woman in, who was a Native American in her village, and she was talking bad about another woman in the village. Hurtful, mean things, and she found out they were untrue, the one that was doing all the gossip. And she felt horrible, and she went to the medicine man and told him what she had done, how can I make up for this? And he said, go home and kill all your chickens and pluck all the feathers off of them and bring, me, bring them to me in a bag. So she went home and killed all the chickens, got the feathers, put them in a bag, brought them to the medicine man. He went outside and the wind was blowing and he shook the bag and the feathers flew everywhere. And he said, wait a week and then go gather all the feathers. And she said, by now the wind has carried the feathers to every part of the village and beyond the village. And the, the medicine man said, so it is with your careless words. They're like feathers scattered in the wind. You can never retrieve them. With that, the woman's heart was broken because she knew that her words were so powerful and un she could not change them. Let's pray again. Father, today we pray through your word, your living word, we are changed. No matter how long we have known you, or if we're at the beginning of our journey, or if we're not sure yet, we don't know. Influence us with your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Proverbs 18, the first part of verse 21, you know this to be the truth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's true, isn't it? 
death and life are in the power of the tongue. It is interesting, as I think about words, what if you need to tell somebody off? Is there a good way to do that? You ever thought about that? We're supposed to be hospitable. We talked about that last week. We're supposed to be good with our words. But what if somebody's just got your goat, your last nerve, and you got to get after them? How do you do that with good words? It was a snowy January, February in Indiana. And our trustees would come with their bobcats and things, and they would clean the parking lot off if we had a big snow. We'd had a lot of snow that particular winter, and there was a big mound of snow. They just kept pushing in the parking lot, just a mountain of snow. I was in the office one day during the week, and I heard four-wheelers out in the parking lot. And I went to check, and they were on top of the mountain and jumping the mountain, and I'm just thinking somebody's going to get killed in the parking lot. And so I went up to them, and I said, guys, I'm sorry, but we just can't allow this in today's litigious society. I'm sorry, don't do it. We won't sue the church. You will sign anything you have. But, you know, I really don't have a contract in my coat pocket here for a four-wheeler. I said, I'm sorry, but you just need to go. So they left. And I was trying to be as nice about it as I could. A few months later, one of the boys on one of the four-wheelers called me. His name was George, and he wanted me to do his wedding. And I didn't. I said, how did, where'd you get my name? He said, well, you remember running me off uh, from my four-wheeler? He said, we got all, run off from a lot of places that day, but you're the nicest person that ever run off. <laughs> and so I guess you can be careful with your words even when you've got to make a point. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who need. I've read that verse, and I know you've read that verse many, many times, but this time four words really jumped out at me. Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up. And then these words jumped out at me. As there is need. There's need out there, isn't there? You see it every day. There's need for building up. There's need to give grace in a world that seldom sees it outside the church. I met with a family this week that, once again, used to go to church, and life's been hard. And church is something that's just given up on. A bad experience, some negative words, and now distant. We live in a world that needs to hear love and grace and kindness, because there is such need. I thought of the fruit of the Spirit uh, in, in our words, Galatians 5, and we usually talk about the good part, 22 through 23, but I'm going to start at verse 19, the way we used to be if, before we were in Christ. And it says this, when we were in the flesh, now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery. Several of these deal with words, though. Enmities, that can start from words. Strife, that can be words. Jealousy is listed, but anger, words, Quarrels, words, dissensions, words, factions, words, envy, drunkenness. That could lead to words, but we'll see. Uh, carousing and things like these. I'm warning you, I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But by contrast with Christ in you, the fruit of the Spirit, the proof of his dwelling in your body are these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity. 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. But think about the power of words in that. If our words are loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and gentle, and they show self-control. I'm learning, and it's a hard lesson. I am learning to bite my tongue if I cannot build up, if I cannot show grace. Do you know how hard it is to do that? Yeah, you do. We're all in the same boat. Here's a beautiful prayer about words that we could pray from Psalms chapter 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That should be a prayer of ours every day. That our words are used to build up and to give grace and never to tear down because it's so easy to tear down. Our words display who we are and what's in our hearts. Luke 6.45 says this, The good person, out of the good treasure of the heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth so what's in the well will come out in the water. What's in the tree will come out in the fruit. And what's in your heart and what's in your mind will come out in your words. It's hard to talk about words and not go to the scripture quickly in James chapter 3 that puts it in perspective we all understand. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole word, world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set a whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble up with both fresh water and bitter water? And does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So you have to be careful. The good news is that with God's help, you and I can do great things with our words. You might argue, but David, I'm not a speaker. I can't speak in front of a crowd. I wouldn't know what to say. Relax. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to show you one of my favorite Old Testament stories. And it's about the power of words. And it's very encouraging. No matter how small or inadequate we might feel. You ever feel like your words just wouldn't make a difference? And so you just really like trying. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1, introduces us to a very powerful man. His name was Naaman. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram. A very important man. He was a great man in high favor with his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. That's an interesting combination, isn't it? The great general, the great warrior in charge of so many people, and a leper. I'm going to skip a good bit of the story and get to how it ends. After Naaman is healed by washing in the river, go home and read 2 Kings chapter 5. You'll see a neat story. But Naaman goes to the great prophet Elijah, and Elijah tells him how to be healed. Naaman is healed. And in verse 15, he returns. He returns to the man of God. He and all of his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there's no God in all the earth except in Israel. 
Please accept a present from your servant. So it seems not only is Naaman free of leprosy, it seems he's healed in a spiritual way too, and he is very on fire for the God of Israel. I know that there's no God in all the earth except in Israel. Those of you that gathered with us last night for the movie remember hearing that very line. Naaman, as a leader of men, and as a man connected to the top of his nation's leaders, now has a testimony. And he can influence his country and his world in a mighty way because of his transformation. But it's not Naaman I want to look at. I want to go back to the first part of the story and see how the ball got rolling for all of these wonderful things, all of these wonderful things to occur. So let's go back to 2 Kings 5, verse 1. We read that one before. Naaman, commander of the army, the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. This man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel. Other versions, if you read the, read the King James Version of the Bible, uses two different words, little maid, taken a little maid captive. She served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord, Naaman, were with the prophet who's in Samaria, he could cure him of his leprosy. That's all she said. If only Naaman could meet Elijah, he'd be okay. So Naaman went and told his lord, the king, just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, I'll send along a letter to the king of Israel. And the ball started rolling, and Naaman was healed. But the hero in the story is the one who used her words to change the world around her. The one who was a prisoner in a house. Think about the words you might have used if your master had leprosy. Some of us might have hoped he rotted away. That's the way it is. But there was something special about this lady. A prisoner, a slave. In her day, she was the lowest rung of society's ladder. And yet God used her in a wonderful way. I hope you're encouraged by that. Because no matter how low we feel we are, or how insignificant or little, just a few words in this world can make a huge, huge difference. Use them. Invite people to church. Brag on God. Let others know what Jesus means to you. Encourage and give grace. And certainly use your words to pray.